Sword Podcast, the number one CA Nerd Podcast, and the only CA Nerd Podcast that I know of. And it doesn't matter if there are others, because this is the best CA Nerd Podcast ever, period. If you disagree, then do you said. Join the Jim Cole as he interviews all the stars of CA Nerd, with successful interviews such as... You're listening to the FWZ Podcast with your boy, the Jamco. We are back here with another edition after a long-winded Q&A. Parts 1s, parts 2. We had a lot of uh, feedback on those Q&As. A lot of questions. You people love to ask me questions, but I got through every single one of them. If you do have a question that wasn't answered on the podcast, you can go to the Ask FM page, which is up on um, some of my social media platforms to check out. And I appreciate each and every one of you asking me questions. I didn't expect to get a response like that, but we'll probably do one uh, in the future. Not for a long time, because my goodness, you've got at least over four hours worth of questions on if you combine those two episodes together. Today, I'm going to be having that old savage, the man that recently had a bombshell debut on the FWZ Event Horizon. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to stop this podcast right now. Go into the YouTube machine. And type in FWZ Event Horizon Show 11, and you will see Mr. Bedlam make his arrival in the FWZ. And it's a bombshell, let me tell you. We will uh, we will look and see what kind of uh, relationship Jamal Bedlam has with the FWZ and what kind of uh, direction he's going to be taking his career, especially since he dropped the FWZ Everweight Champion square on the canvas. And I know that young man won't be uh, too happy about that, but, you know... He's got a big mouth, and sometimes what comes around goes around, but we'll also be discussing that with him here. So, Mr. Bedlam, what is going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing pretty good right now. It's a bit hot where I am, but oh well. You know, uh, as I mentioned that little opening here on the podcast, what what are your intentions with Mr. Tornado? It's the old phrase coming to bite him in the butt, basically. You talk shit, you get and that's simply what happened. As far as any plans or intentions with him, if and when that opportunity comes by where I get a chance to maybe take away that prize of his, maybe I will. Well, it's interesting that I actually just saw on your Twitter uh, profile, on your little uh, headline uh, picture, you do have... The FWZ title in your hands while Jet Tornado is struggling to get back to his feet, so I, I'm pretty sure that says more than any words that you could possibly know. But I tell you something, Jamal, he ain't an easy kid to take down. He's uh, he's always got a plan up his sleeve, so you better beware for whatever missile he throws at you next. I'm used to multiple people coming after me. It's nothing new. But also another interesting part of the Bedlam tribe is your sister Beryl Bedlam's also in the FWZ, and I gotta gonna be a little bit biased at the 
I think she's doing a great job. We've had, we had a, got a great response for uh, for Meryl, especially from some of the fans who have uh, messaged me or, or mentioned anything on the comments about the big fan of Beryl. So I hopefully. In that whole group, she will be the centerpiece and hopefully goes on to, to do great things. I mean, a big showdown between Beryl, Bedlam, and the Beast. Oh, that is going to be a must-see. All the eyeballs will be checking up on that one. Oh, keep your eyeballs peeled on that. Enough about FWZ. We're here to talk about... Well, we're here to talk about just about anything. I don't really have a uh, exactly a plan with Jamal. We're just going to kind of roll on down the road a couple of things. And since you were last on the... Uh, on the podcast, Jamal, there's been a lot of controversies uh, and lots of different things flying around. And there's always controversies, and there will be more controversies. Um, and a couple of controversies that have kind of arisen was one uh, that actually I was going to say me and Scott seem to be part of those those big two. But we, um, I mean, we're, we're not going to necessarily get into the, the nitty gritty here, but it was something that I knew you wanted to have a chat about. And we got asked a question on the Q and A, and it was about our our good friend Ray Geddes. And, of course, there's been a little bit of a uh, some tension between him and Mr. Chronic. And me and Scott had a little bit of a, a small discussion about sort of, you know, what we're talking about. And me and uh, Scott are very different in the way that we uh, say our opinions. Of course, he's very more blunt than I am. And I am blunt, however, sometimes when I'm on a public platform like this, I have to be a little bit more uh, respectful. And I was wondering... Because you were a member of the, the GSF roster and a lot of guys sort of went away from the GSF roster after sort of that almost picking the sides and stuff. I was wondering where you stood in terms of, are you still with the GSF? Are you not with the GSF? What, what, what do you stand in terms of that? So I'll put it in the simplest way I can. I left because the whole entire thing was... It never really gave me a chance to properly digest the whole thing in the right way. Right. There were things that I said that now I look at it and I'm kind of like, eh, sure. maybe that's not the best way to handle it. So, as far as I'm concerned right now, there are some things that I agree with the majority of people who are not happy with Ray about. Hmm. Some things he said that wasn't the best choice of judgment and he knows that I'm pretty public on these things well he's public enough to a point where I don't necessarily like to hide how I feel that's not really helpful I think with with this and it, it I'm a I'm a good sort of pal with with Ray I think Ray's a great guy gentleman of a man and of course, sometimes we could all say things when we get heated in the moment or we get emotional, but it's always a good time for us to sort of step back and sort of not really necessarily talk to each other for a while and kind of gather our thoughts and things like that. And uh, we won't go into the nitty gritty of every single little thing, but I, I found it quite sad to see sort of guys leave that sort of server and sort of it become a just Ray and all the guys that sort of want to stay around and stuff like that. And I do personally feel that Ray did get a bit of a hard time. And I know people are going to be on one side of the fence of this. And I, I, I totally agree with that. I'm not, you know, defending every single little thing. You know, he's a grown ass man. And he'll, he'll admit that. And we say things that we later regret in it. And he'll probably say that he regrets things as well. I just find that someone, especially as talented as Ray, when it comes to, you know, what we do, having that sort of backlash and kind of having everyone kind of go against him in a way where, you know, when we talk about, you know, what happened at the beginning, you know, that's more than one person that that's, um, that's, that's guilty of that. And 
I think I'm just more, you know, sticking up for Ray as as the person of, of Ray and sort of what he's sort of done for people. And he is a caring guy and he's always looking out for people. So that kind of made me a little bit sad in terms of what happens here. But I think it's, t- it's t- making people aware of you can sort of get wrapped up in a situation and you can get a little bit heated. And sometimes you may think you know the whole story, but I think it's very, very important to see both sides of it. And the one thing I thought about, which I didn't say on the Q&A, was when we talk about this race situation and the, the Mason situation, there are things that I do see, especially from some of the, the guys who were sort of against Ray and the Cool Stars, that I see that they do, which is that the... the is the same attitude that a lot of the guys who have been ousted from Court All Stars, VW, that kind of stuff, where it's kind of hammering home the situation. And, and I'm only being honest in the case, it's a little bit hypocritical when I do see people behave the same way that, you know, we've had other situations on the other side, especially. Um, what's your relationship with Ray now? Um, as far as my relationship with Ray goes, um, I'm at least fairly neutral. I'll still speak with him. Sure. But it's but it's not like I completely endorse everything he said in the midst of all that whole thing. <coughs> I have my disagreements with him, but I understand that's a part of life. And knowing me, I'm probably going to get some bit of flack for it, but <coughs> at this point, it is what it is. So... Is there any chance that you and maybe the, the, the groups that you're associated with where both sides will come to a, an agreement and sort of make the past the past, as it were? And you know, this thing is never say never. I won't say that I know for sure, but time heals all wounds, I guess. That's the best way I can put it. Sure. And the number one thing I think from my end for you fans out there, especially for all the people that maybe listen to this for who are all on the sides, I understand reasonings and stuff like that, and I, I absolutely understand it. And I'm not going to be coming across as the there's more important things in life, even though there is, but you've heard that a million times. But sometimes, again, look at things, you know, not with rose-tinted glasses, as they say, and, and, and be a bit more mature with the way you're thinking about this, because it's always... Miscommunication, which is always the thing we always hear, especially on this podcast. And it's also hearing things through the grapevine. He said, she said, he said, she said. Then actually looking at it with with that. But enough about that. We're here talking about Jamal, the savage. And one of the things that we actually brought up, Jamal, on the very last podcast that I do remember, was we were talking about mental health. We're talking about autism, all those kind of things. As you mentioned, that was something that you had. And what we seem to see a lot of in... These type of communities, as we see guys who may be on uh, having those kind of mental health issues, but end up kind of spiraling out of control is, is the best way to see it. We see it with your sonnies, we see it with you know everybody else like that. And the sunny thing's a separate thing because it's a bit more aggressive than, than say others. Why do you believe? Uh, well, actually, from your end, actually, is the first question is: Do you think that gives a bad name to people that may have those type of issues? When it comes to certain people and how they carry themselves, knowing how they are, it can be a bad thing. Like, I'm not going to use Sonny as an example because he's a whole nother tangent on its own. So I want to use someone that's a bit more, less of an issue than Sonny, but 
people still have had their moments where like he's a problem and he needs to take himself out. Torn yeah. is a really good example of someone that I've had issues with, but not because, you know, he's autistic of some kind. As someone who has it, I understand that, you know, socializing, socializing with people is difficult. But the dude sometimes has this thing where he's obsessed with this just too much. To a very dangerous degree. And yeah. it's a very similar to the Sunny case where it's like, you guys are way too obsessed with call to the point where it's causing a whole lot more issues than you really need right now. You don't yeah. need that on you. Would you oh, feel free to file in. Oh, right. I, I, I was going to uh, pretty much say as, as with, with some of those guys that, that have that. That the one thing I sort of concern myself with is when we see guys who have those kind of issues on the receiving end of it, and we ostracize them, which is is debatable with some guys whether it should be or not. And I can there are times that you can one hundred percent agree with that they should be ostracized from this group, this group, this group. You've also got to bear in mind that they do have that as well. And I'm not going to necessarily call it an issue because it seems like a bad thing, but you know they have that. You know that particular thing going on in their life, and you kind of want to make sure that sometimes with some of those people who have that, when you sort of ostracize them and you push them out of groups, that kind of makes it worse because it almost stirs up the the autism or it stirs up sort of some of the mental health issues that they've got a little bit worse. And for my personal, I guess my heart maybe, even again, Sonny's a separate kid, but when we see guys who do have that. And we do watch some. It does make me feel a little bit bad because, and I'm not going to say we should be helping them rather than ostracizing. Because someone could come along and say, "Well, I've helped them many, many, many times," but we have to be a little bit more mature with those kinds of guys because you know they don't they don't operate the same way as, as everywhere everyone else. And sometimes you've got to give them a bit of time. And I guess from your perspective, you can see that more than anybody else, right? If for me. The torn thing frustrates me more than it honestly should. Because someone who does have that, it's like two different personalities. Like, I'm on one end of the spectrum and he's on the end of the spectrum. He's technically no worse than I am. He really isn't. It's just he's gone down that way and I've gone down a completely different way. Which right. is why I'm not necessarily in disagreement with him kind of needing to be in less places when it comes to those kind of situations do you, do you even like people using the word autism or would you prefer to be called something else i, I don't care not really if, if you don't mind me asking when, when sort of age was it that you were sort of diagnosed officially with it around the age of four four what what was it this sort of your, your parents saw or maybe yourself that saw signs of that that made them sort of go and, you know, get you diagnosed with it, essentially? One of the main prominent issues that I had when I was younger was I didn't talk. I wasn't speaking until the age of five. But I also had my weird little quirks where I was super obsessed with one particular type of task. Like, go ahead. No, no, sorry, I was going to say, yeah, I just said, yeah, I was agreeing. 
Like, for me, I had this habit where I would take a butter knife and take apart any type of electronic type of device that's in front of me. So a computer, a toaster, it didn't matter. If I could figure out how to take it apart with that butter knife, I'm going to figure it out. And I feel like... What would be the difference, though, if someone were to say, well, surely that's just OCD? Oh no, that that ain't no that ain't no CD. I'll, I'll tell you that right now. Those are two different camps. Like, to me, when I hear OCD, it's like obsessive. With me, this wasn't really an obsession. It was just more so me being curious on how this stuff right. looks from the inside. So, would you say? And one of the things that people sort of associate that with is um, sort of being social with each other. Most people sort of say eye contact. People can't necessarily keep eye contact. Would you say you've had that, that those same kind of quirks too? Oh, yeah. I've had my issues of eye contact. I've had issues with speaking up. You know, it's quite tough to do all of that and get used to that. There's a whole other host of issues I've had self-confidence is one of them yeah because at a younger point in my life i was just kind of used to being torn down not just by people around me who went to school with me but at some points by my family yeah would you say that the as you've gotten older that that those difficulties have changed has it gotten better or is it kind of stayed the same it's gotten better. Yeah. I unintentionally believe that Carl might have helped me stick my neck out a lot more. Hmm. Well, you've also got a, a sort of your eyes you talk about sort of growing up, and that tends to be a, something that stems from everything from growing up from people around you. But you've got your own group of people, you've got your own support network, you sort of community that actually, you know, can like the same things you do and not necessarily get into, you know, you the person and, and all this kind of stuff, but that's also something that has, do, do you have anybody or know anybody in your sort of groups, whether it be VW or others that have that same sort of, uh, sort of quirk, sort of autism or anything like that? As oh, you? there's a, there's, there's a prominent few that have had it that you probably shouldn't be too surprised at it. I know Brandon Wolf has I knew Brandon Wolf had it okay. for quite a bit. I know Chronic has it, which which is why I'm not too hard on him as far as the right. whole Ray thing goes, because one, I would imagine that his issues with socializing with people are about at the same level with me. Yeah. So it's the it's one of the reasons why I'm not anywhere near as hard on chronic or am like as critical of chronic as some others would be. But when you use an example like that situation, if there is somebody or a group of people that have done something where they should be held accountable for their actions, do you agree though that saying something such as, well, he has this or he has that should be used as an excuse for someone's behavior? It's not that it should be used as an excuse. It's more of a thing that explains why they react how they react. Right, right. It's more of a logical explanation of everything. 
it's not more it's not really me defending it it's me more so looking at it and going this makes sense this is why he did it this is why you know this happened the way it did and it can lead to me figuring out how to approach it better one thing i'll ask you which um i've kind of got my own answer for this but you can sort of do it however you can this is obviously about a british person coming to america in America, and you may be on the fence, you may agree with it, I see a lot of this whole uh, vaccines are the problem to everything. The vaccines cause this, they cause that. Are you the kind of person that is on the fence with vaccines? Because as we talk about this, why this popped into my head was I heard a lot of time that it was, oh, childhood vaccines are responsible for autism and spectrum disorders and, and all this other stuff. What's your opinion on that? I, I don't buy, I don't really don't buy that. And this is coming from someone who used to be a pretty heavy conspiracy theorists like oh, there were man. some things i'll buy into but the older i got the more i'm just like this whole thing kind of sounds stupid now yeah. are there some theories that i could realistically buy into? yeah but some of them were a crock of shit so what conspiracy theories do you believe in The American government in particular is watching the people to some very potentially harmful effects. Yeah, there's there's always been that when it comes to technology and a lot of stuff, and that that wouldn't surprise me in terms of uh, surveillance. I think in all in all governments actually, there's uh, there is sort of a a strange sort of hint of surveillance, especially when you see the amount of technology that makes it easiest for it to access uh, things such as wireless technology or um, what they call it now, like IO, IoT or something like that, Internet of Things or something like that, where it's a lot more wireless, where your phone can do this and attach to this camera and touch this microphone and, and things like that. And I think um, that's probably why a lot of tech companies are very strict on their security to not allow certain groups to use it in situations where you think they should, where it be to, I need to check a criminal's uh, social media history, I need to check a, a terrorist's chat history, or blah, blah, blah. And they usually talk about, well, there's no security backdoor, so we can't give that to you for, for whatever reason, but whether then, you agree or not. But then that turns into a real, in, real funny gray area. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you have, like, there's so many stories of all this stuff going in different directions, like, the whole thing with Edward Snowden, where he revealed, like, what was it? I can't remember what the group was, but he revealed that some American counterterrorism group was spying on a whole bunch of people. And he got ousted for it, and people have been calling for his arrest, his execution. Mm. And it's kind of like, that don't really sound like someone who deserves to be publicly taken out for that. Well, and, and this is the thing, and I've seen that a few times with Edward Snowden and um, what's that guy, Julian? Julian Assange? That's the one, yeah. I'm thinking of Casablanca. Oh, that's, man. That's, that's the lead singer of The Strokes. That's the complete he, wrong person. He, he's another one, but that was that's for political reasons, and we'll get into that grind a bit later because politics is the one X I've had to grind with for years. Well, if I recall, and I might be wrong with this, when I, I asked you last time, and that was when the um, Democratic election things were going on, and I said, were well, you a Joe Biden fan? And I think you said no, and then you picked somebody else. I cannot remember who you picked. 
I was more leaning towards like a Tulsi Gabbard. Well, Jamal, you got old Biden. How do you feel about that? Honestly, meh. You know what makes me laugh is the fact of I've seen speeches of Joe Biden and of course everyone's seen speeches of, of Donald Trump and it, it kind of it makes me laugh. It's when I when it's when we're gonna see these debates in the future, you're gonna see two senile old men try and form a sentence together and it's not gonna work and it's it's just gonna be two men who <laughs> can't create coherent sentences that you're just gonna be sitting there well, thinking, What the hell is they talking about? Here's the Here's the thing that I think is more dangerous about Trump than it is with Biden. One, Trump is far more vindictively evil with his, the shit that he says. Because, like, when I see him and Biden fighting in the debates, I'm thinking Trump is going to kill him. Oh, yeah. He's going to kill him in the debate. Because Trump is going to hit him everywhere he possibly can. Because Trump is used to this. He's a reality TV personality. This is kind of what they do. So when I look at this compared to a politician like Biden, I don't see this ending well. I honestly don't. Yeah, that's exactly what the general consensus is. And um, that was also a uh, special guest, uh, Jamal Bedlam's dog, who was also in the background for, uh, for this podcast. We'll be talking to him later. Oh, God. <laughs> well... I wish the best of luck with you and your uh, wonderful debates you'll have. Who would you vote for? Honestly, at this current moment, I know people ain't going to like me saying this, but... Well, let me put it this way. I'm neither going to vote for Biden or Trump. Because honestly, I don't really care for the both of them. Mm. I don't really care for the whole entire structure of how both parties are done because to me they're both pretty flawed yeah their flaws stick out really prominently and i don't buy the lesser of two evils argument for voting either because that's just not helpful well this is something that i see in america quite a lot and, and something that we do here is it's very simple of when when they, when they when they always say oh you've got the you've got the worst of a bad situation do you go for for bur- do you go for bad or do you go for worse well you know you, you don't really have a choice and over here it would just be don't like this party don't like this party we'll go do this party it's a slightly smaller one and i feel like sometimes with america you can't they don't like doing that that third it's almost like it's not a and that's not a generation thing because i see that here as well well what if you do that that's a wasted vote i think well not really it's not really a wasted vote because if you're tired of something you don't just go well it's the less of two evils because that's then just still makes you evil you're still going for it when actually you give the time to others that's what makes a difference Look, I've always gone by my ruling that that lesser of two evils thing does not work. No. It never has really worked for me at all. Because it's like, oh yeah, Trump is this rapist. But then we're going to put someone who's who's also been accused of rape in there. And it's like, oh hey, we're going to get rid of the lesser evil by putting someone that's just about as bad. Or that might be just about as worse. I don't get that. It's stupid to me. Well, that tends to come from um, that the older sort of generation who don't necessarily like that different type of thinking because they've always been used to a certain way, and, and that's the way that it always be. So that's always that's always been unique. But I guess that's uh, that, that's it. One thing that I want to get into as well is uh, I just remember this at the top of my head. 
you and the VW are going to be coming up with uh, your unique prestige uh, festival. That's going to be coming up with the big event, prestige uh, event. In terms of the festivals, how many how many leagues you got going to be in that festival this year? Well, that's more of a question for like the D Wall and Malik, because as much as I am involved with them, I'm also involved with Sean and Colosters. So, oh, you know. Okay. But from what I can tell you, most of the guys shows who are all prominent figures in there. Most of them already have a block. Yeah. When you when you have that kind of festival, if they say, let's just spit for like just to say, yeah, spitball ten, for example. If you've got ten different leagues, uh, well, first of all, how many are there in in the festival? First of all, from what I from what I can tell, and from what I've been noted, Malik's show has a festival block. Jason's show has a festival block. D Wall, I think it's either two or three of his shows have a block. I'll figure that out sooner or later. I know Eddie has a block. Al Cabrera has a block. Yeah, like there's a whole there's a host of people getting one. There's oh. possible talks of John getting one, but I would have to speak with him, and that's depending on how he feels. Do you know it's an absolute disgrace that John Blackos doesn't drink coffee? It's a disgrace that John isn't at the same level that I am with VWU, to be honest with you. Why is that? Probably because unintentionally, what they've done with John to his detriment is they kind of look at him as a meme. There's nothing really wrong with looking at him as a meme, but... A meme? You don't want to... Oh, a meme. I thought said he looks like a yeah, meme. Yeah, a meme. Ah, right, right. And when you look at John like that, it's not really helpful because then it's like you put a ceiling for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John really shouldn't have a ceiling. He should be allowed to flourish as fully as he wants to. So when I see, so when people are like, well, who's the most pushed in VW? Like people are going to say the likes of me and Mikey Truth, which I get it. You can like me and Mikey, but... Then at least someone like John out of the picture, which kind of sucks. Because he should be up there, too. Who is the one person in the VW you'd love to punch in the face? Honestly, Charles Schultz. Well, okay, then. You heard it here first, peeps. Look, I'm, I'm nice about it, but at the same time, there's a lot of things that Charles does that frustrate me at times and that frustrates a lot of people who want to help him but Ooh, I think kind I of doesn't know how to help himself is he someone who you have some tension with it's not that I have tension with him it's just he's a guy who will say no to every single idea that you ever throw at him right Instead of opening his mind to it. And that's what frustrates me. Is because I talk with so many people about ideas for my character on a show. And it's like, at least hear the idea out. At least hear what they're thinking. But when you say no to everything, 
you kind of makes you look like an annoying asshole. And I don't want Charles to end up in that position where he says no to everything and then he ends up like someone who ends up getting ostracized. Because I don't want that. For- well, if you uh, are listening, Mr. Schultz, take some advice from the wise Mr. Bedlam. He has many wise things to say to you. And I feel like, you know, as I've as I've done this podcast for quite a while, I kind of one of the things I've learned about this podcast, which I quite enjoy, is I've had perception of things and people, and it's completely changed. And I'm glad that I went in with uh, an open mind because it's changed my opinion on stuff like that. And one thing I found a lot of is everybody used to talk about, you know, fantasy CAW. We shouldn't be doing this, and blah 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 blah, and original, you know. And then I kind of had this this idea in my mind where I thought. You argue with someone about something you're taking court too seriously. You then argue about something yourself, i.e. that same person that told you that you're being too serious. And then I see them arguing about how, you know, fantasy court shouldn't be this, and it shouldn't belong and stuff like that. And I'm thinking that you take court too seriously analogy works for your own benefit in your own situation. And I, when I think about people talking about that all the time, fantasies this how do you do this how do you book a guy versus a real person i think who really gives a shit if they like doing it who cares and i feel over the time that i've again been here i've seen more people shit on fantasy caw if you want to call it that than the original guys if you want to call it that also but i've never heard it vice versa so my point is what's the big deal of people who don't really have Fantasy CAW. It's the same thing as don't like it, don't watch it. Pretty much what I've noticed is that people have an issue with fantasy characters because the whole idea is they can't promo. All their whole thing is text promos. And then they go over people who, who can speak, who are vocal and who are there. Like, I know people have had issues for a while over like Someone like John losing to someone like what's someone who I could say without making it feel like someone's being called out for you mean like Fuck. that that's fantasy related Superman okay yeah Let, let's go with that for example well, I see some people having an issue with John losing to Superman because like Superman's not going to do a promo but John is right and it's like. John could be in a better off position than what he is, but since you're doing a hybrid show or you're doing like a mostly fantasy, but you have some original people in there, it's frustrating. Now, well, then if you, if, end, if if a, a, if a storyline comes up, then that someone like Superman would would go over someone, and someone got angry. Even though if it may be towards a storyline where you're doing this or doing this, what would you say to somebody who would be bothered by that that you would think would make them feel better, that they'd be losing to, say, Superman or someone else? It depends on the person. And on some occasions, it's kind of like, it don't really matter what I say. You're still going to be bothered by it. Yeah. So I kind of tend to keep my nose out of that avenue. I might make a few jokes about it here and there, but that's just because I've kind of learned to poke fun at a situation to more so. Yeah. 
get around it. Well, then, when I asked Eddie one time when he was on the podcast, why if does it demean someone if they get uh, to get defeated by a fancy character, and he was like, "No, we didn't really get into it, so we'll get into it here." If somebody did lose to a fancy character, does that demean their character? And what what would be the reason that a fantasy character would go over a uh, an original character? Again, it depends on the person involved, the story that they're trying to tell, and now all that whole jazz. Because I know people aren't always interested in what this guy may do with this character here or this character there. Yeah. Like, it's a whole weird thing to talk about. Even for someone like me, who was a fantasy call guy from the jump, and who got introduced to original call, because of fantasy call. Yeah. Just feels like that issue can be more layered out a bit. As you uh, came into the FWZ, as we talked to at the beginning of the uh, at the show, that puts you in a. About is it about ten exactly you're in now? Ten groups, ten shows. I'd say well, since GSF got taken out of the picture due to circumstances, essentially FWZ replaced it. So right. I'll say roughly between twelve to fourteen. Oh, you're in fourteen? Jesus Christ. Well, so- I have to officially get a count. And no worries, I'm already trying to maybe I'm already attempting to slow down on the shows because I feel like once I reach that threshold, that's really it. Well, that's my my sort of concern is if you're in so many groups, then does it kind of make you seem like you're just another guy in all these leagues rather than the sort of the attraction, as it were? Well, part of that is up to me. I have to be willing to go out of my way to reach out to the people and pitch my own ideas, go out of my way to kind of just be more open about what I want. Yeah. If I pitch out my pitch out my ideas, if I speak up more, I feel like that helps me get through the threshold a lot more than others. Yeah. Well, we'll see how you get on. I mean, especially trying to follow all those particular um Shows, especially when you've got to cut promos and check out the storyline, the storyline, and, and sort of all those kind of ones. Very, very difficult, I'd probably say, if I was in your position for that. But you might be someone that could be a, a frequent watcher of all of those ones. So, you know, everyone's different when it comes to being able to keep up on these certain shows. Put it this way. I know what, I know what tends to go on, so... I'm very much prepared. The good thing about, I guess, the VW in the sense of how they do things is that I kind of already know what's going to happen beforehand for the most part. So, because in some occasions I help book their stuff. So I know what's going to happen. I've likely agreed to some of the things that already have happened. So no issues for me there. And even if I don't know what's going on, I always keep in contact with the people who do the shows. So, I'm on RPJ show, 
shoot a message, shoot some ideas. Boom. Yeah. Well, we're going to be moving the topic on a little bit slightly now onto something uh, a little bit different, a little bit more exciting, actually. And uh, what I found about you when I was looking at some of your social media stuff. I am a big fan of the documentary series, The Dark Side of the Ring. Can't get enough of it. Love it. I've been talking about it on my podcast all the time. Been promoting it, telling people about uh, about the different ones that I sent uh, to Scott on our Q and A. That we'll grab a few guys and talk about some uh, some Dark Side of the Ring stuff. So we won't uh, won't get into sort of so much detail now because I want to leave that for a uh, uh, for when the Owen Hart one comes out and that sort of fully wraps up the series. And then we can have a good old uh, conversation about different uh, different topics. But one thing I do want to mention to you and also everybody else like that before you listen to the Owen Hart. Dark Side of the Ring, which will be coming up on uh, Monday, Tuesday, so I'm going to listen to the Talk is Jericho podcast because he just had Martha Hart on the podcast. Oh, oh, I have that video saved up on my YouTube watch later list. Yeah. I'm definitely watching that because I knew as soon as she showed up, I was going to watch it because I've been very curious to see her perspective for a while. I know people have had her had their issues with Martha and the whole how she reacted to it, but I don't blame her. But I think the best thing to, to say about it, and I'm gonna we'll go, we'll go details up to you to, to check it out, is everybody can can you know have their own opinion on when people talk about well this this legacy and that legacy and, and things like that. I think people need to understand more of professional wrestling and all this Hall of Fame nonsense and actually a, a wife, a husband and a, and a family. And if you were ever a person that thought, Martha, you're ruining his legacy by not going in the Hall of Fame and all this nonsense, listen to that podcast and your perspective will change because of the uh, certain things that she reveals. And also, well, basically things for you to have more reasons for why Vince McMahon is a scumbag and the devil in a suit. But that's just me. But there'll be other things in there oh. that will make you make you realize. Man, don't don't get me talking about the McMahons in general. I've I've been kind of heavy critical of them for a bit, especially Hunter. To be honest with you, I just I find it extraordinary how one man will do whatever it takes to save his business or save money. Or do whatever they can just to get to that next day of, of business. And, you know, there's guys out there who, you know, have small businesses and put all their heart and soul into their own business. And I understand putting some credit, I mean, it's the same with the stuff that we do. You put your credit for time into it, you put a lot of effort into it. You kind of, it's personal to you. But even when we talk about all the situations that have ever happened and some of the situations that have been addressed on the dark side of the ring, I just find it extraordinary how one man's hell bent obsession or making sure that that brand is not hurt whatsoever it's 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 just crazy like how so on especially for a big company like that and how much you know it is it it honestly honestly baffles me vincent man is the most interesting man in the history of professional wrestling and i mean that in the the most general way possible yeah the things and the things and ways he handles the world around him is very interesting and like a dark side of the ring on Vince McMahon alone is worth 
all the money in the world. I oh, would yeah. pay a hundred dollars to see that shit. I'd pay almost a million to see that, to be honest with you. I mean, it was um it, it, it's interesting, especially with this season where you see the, the many things and it, it got to a point where every episode ended up being about Vince in, in some way or other because it usually he's got his hand in something or or anything like that. But it's it's it's, it's honestly crazy. And again, we will uh, we will get into maybe if you want to come on and we'll grab some other guys who have watched it and have a good old uh, good old conversation about these things because there's a there's a lot to discuss. But also, I think there's also a lot to discuss in terms of maybe information that hasn't been brought on there for, for whatever reason. There's a lot of interesting um, stuff on there, so we will, we will certainly do that as well. So as we are in some unique times, especially, Mr. Jamal Bedden, what do you do to pass the time? Honestly, I try, I try to find a way to get out the house because I'm not going to lie to you, being unemployed in the middle of a pandemic is just like the worst it's like one of the worst things ever from yeah. the end of you're not really doing anything you're kind of just stuck and then when you're in the position that i am where you may not be getting any money out of the current situation it kind of gets to you yeah i get you it, I, I completely agree with you. I'm sort of in a similar situation myself with it, and it's quite easy to get kind of get down, especially um, I guess kind of getting wrapped up in the, the sort of the, the, the sad um, way that it that it also was. But I think the best way to sort of deal with these things is, is of course, you know, making so you change your day up with your routine and things like that. And of course, as you mentioned going outside and getting some fresh air and things like that. And I guess also thinking that, you know, obviously there needs to be making sure that there's this help for the uh, people who are, again, that's a country thing anyway, in terms of, you know, whatever that's from. But I think it's also important for us to just always have clear heads and, and making sure that we're always uh, making sure that we are doing things that make us actually, happy rather than you know kind of doing the the same old thing every time but hopefully we'll get there and we'll see uh it in in the future with it and we, we won't go into the details of, of all that stuff because that can be um difficult with it all but in terms of one of the things that i was asked at a q a which i kind of put my own sort of side of the story is and somebody asked me they said um how do you deal with being uh, being down so how do you deal with sort of how do you deal with your low moments because there's quite a few that I've had even in the past five years that really have shrunk me down and took a toll on me. There were certain people who reached out to me in one of the more recent ones earlier this year. Like when I, I guess I can go into detail about it. Like at one point I was kind of being called out for maybe unintentionally carrying myself, like being a bit egotistical. Right. And I was kind of wondering where, where, who or where that came from. And it frustrated me because it was just like, this kind of came out of nowhere and I'm supposed to deal with this. Like, I just want somebody to be transparent with me. Yeah. 
Like, I'm not a hard guy to talk to. Pretty, I would say I'm pretty easygoing. Might be a bit pushy, but, yeah, you know, that's the thing. I'm easy to talk to, so why ain't nobody say anything to me? And I remember one of the first people who reached out to me, even before the situation could have possibly gotten worse, was Chronic. Okay. Because I remember this vividly, because when it first got brought up to me, it was Chronic who brought it up. And he was like, I do it too, and no one really says anything about it to me, but you do it, and everyone wants to say something to you about it. And it's like, that don't really feel right to him. So me and him had a talk. He had a talk with people, and he got it toned down. I know Sean reached out to me. I know Jay reached out to me. I know Walt, Walt, Walter Scott reached out to me. There was a few people who got a hold of me and helped me patch through that mess. Which is kind of why I'm loyal to a fault with Sean and Jay and Chronic because they didn't really hesitate to help me. Just kind of did it. Why? What was the exact reason that people were saying that you held yourself in a, in a certain way? Like, where did that come from? There was a comment that I said that in hindsight, now I totally get why. Where I said I was a bit higher up on the position than a certain someone who I'm not going to name, but let's just say that comment was definitely an error, and I can understand why that would seem very, very inappropriate, or at least not inappropriate, but very off-putting. Yeah. I mean, over that, that sounds kind of petty, personally, but that's just my opinion. I mean, you wouldn't be the only one who had that opinion, but at the end of the day, I don't really see it that way. The only reason I would see it as any type of pettiness is just because I wish people had reached out to me and just said it. See who they were and just say it directly to me. Because then I feel a lot better about the whole thing. But I appreciate Chronic, Sean, and Jay and them for reaching out to me out of their own will and saying something to me. Because they know they technically didn't have to, but they chose to. Yeah. So if that being an example of them coming out and, and helping you out, if they weren't there for you, who would be there for you? Oh, I'm pretty sure some of the VW would have stuck their noses up. Pretty yeah. sure some of them would have. I'm pretty sure Chronic would have still stuck his nose in anyway. Because, again, me and him have gotten along quite a bit pretty good. Yeah. Let me see. I'm kind of received decently well by enough people to the point where I don't think it would have been that much of an issue for long. One of your good friends in the VW and also man who's kind of in and out with uh, with groups like that, Mister Mac, Return of the Mac, Eddie Mac, and also Hakeem Johnson, that old boy, going to be going into the Core All Stars Hall of Fame. How do you feel about that? I'm happy for Eddie. It's about damn time for Hakeem because he should have been in there, honestly, for at least a year. He should have been in there. Yeah, he's. 
he's one of the guys that are involved with Fantasy Call that's never stagnant with his show. Yeah. He goes out of his way to improve on it and improve on it every season, even with all the hiatuses that he's had. And believe me, he's had a, quite a few long bits of them. I've stuck through because he's always kept himself to a standard of, if I can improve my show for the better, I'm going to. Who do you think should go in there who isn't in there right now? Honestly, most of everyone who I could have said is already popping up in there. So the options of who I could think could go in there are limited. Okay. I guess one person who I could see slipping his way in there in due time would honestly be Malik. Ah, yes, yes, that's some of the time, yeah. I did say as well, yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah, he might have he had his differences here and there. But for someone like him, for all the compliments he has gotten and all the credit he's been given, he deserves that spot. Maybe not now, but definitely in the future. Yeah. Well, again, it gets to a point, especially in kind of small community that we have, if you, if you do it every year, when you're going to eventually run out of people to put in there. But I guess uh, people will be popping up every single uh, single time. But we'll once again wait and see on that, and hopefully your boy Jamal Bedlam will eventually make his way in there in about 25 years. That's if you're around in 25 uh, years. Uh, I'm more closer to leaving in like five years than I am in 25. Really? Like, when I got into call at the time I did, I was just like, I have a set amount of time that I want to do this for. Okay. If I want to pursue it any further, then maybe I'll stay around. But I feel like by the time I'm out of the door, it'll be a different environment to the point where I don't think it'll need someone like me. So you're roughly saying about five years is your sort of time limit? Yeah. And, and why is that? Is that because you don't want to be in it that long or you just will feel that you'll eventually move on to something else? I feel like I want, I feel like I'll move on to something else and I don't want to keep myself around when I'm not fully interested in it. Since you're talking about moving on to the, the, the next challenge, as it were, in terms of when you go and who's going to be in those spots of top guys, who do you think is guys that you we should be looking out for who are climbing themselves through the ranks? Well, that's kind of a tough question right now because I don't know many guys who could take that picture and rise to the top with it because some of these guys who have been in call have been doing it for roughly a decade. Yeah. Like, someone like Sean is like, what, 21 or 22? And he's already been doing call for like 10 years? Yeah, yeah. Like, ho like hold on. Like, how many really young people are we going to have in call by the time that someone like even me leaves? Like, maybe Connor will still be around, yeah, but even then. That's a possibility, but, I mean, it... Can well once we get all the dickheads out, then hopefully it will eventually you know lure in younger people who just want to uh, do some new stuff and and 
you know give us a fresh perspective on things i'm always big on, on getting people from obscurity because it's well it's just the way that we came in ourselves look and this kind of relates to a question that i had for you that i've had for you for the past few months in oh, all no. honesty the answer is no i know I, I want you to answer it because i've been quite curious on it okay what do you see in alcabrera how dare you? I love Al Cabrera. No, I'm, I'm not saying that to slag him off. I'm genuinely wanting to know what you see in him. I'll tell you what I see in him. I see a very genuine guy. And I feel like, especially in these type of uh, things that we do, when you're talking about, I mean, some people talk about heels and baby faces and those kind of clear-cut roles. And sometimes in what we do, it's I kind of blurred a little bit because I don't know if you can necessarily do that. But whatever. There's guys who I see in these groups who I talk to, and regardless if it's someone who's a top person or, or a low person, when I see someone who is legitimate, who I see someone who is just a legitimately nice guy, that's where I feel a, a, a person should be you know, used in a prominent way. I see Al, just the same way I see a, a, a guy named um, Eddie Lobo. They're genuine guys, they're cool guys, and they're nice guys. And I feel that can be brought through in their character of being someone who is, you know, a nice guy. You talk about baby faces in professional wrestling and, you know, that's always difficult because it's it's the old school baby face of just someone who's genuinely likable. And that could be, that's kind of how faces really work these days because everybody wants to be the cool heel or whatever. But I feel like once someone is real like that, it shines through. And I feel like with him and, and Eddie and guys like that, it generally shines through. They're just guys who... Unlikable. Simple as that. You can't find something. Go well. He's this. Well, he's that. And I feel possibly in different shows that he's used or whatever, right? Like that. It's kind of. It's the guy that tries. It's the guy that tries to get better. It's the guy who is almost the, the block of clay that just needs to be crafted a little bit in in giving tools and giving advice and things like that. And I can generally believe he will be someone that could be great because he maybe struggles with confidence. He may struggle with anxiety. He might struggle with just being shy, and that's kind of what I was like when I was when I was a kid. And once they just have the route to uh, sort of be you know, helped down and, and things like that, I generally think that you know that shines through. And I think that's the most important thing that for someone listening to this could be like, well, that's it, being likable, being legitimate. But you don't see that a lot because you see a, a snide side to someone. You see you know an egotistical side to someone or something like that. You don't get people like that these days who are legitimate kind of people who you, you look at and go when you talk to him and you kind of you feel good that you're talking to someone who's, who's a good person. That's what I see now. Uh, I've seen Eddie and other people, just people who are just good kids. I, I could I could see that. I might have my differentiating views on Al. There's not nothing wrong with him as a person more so. I had my views on the show, but that's an entirely different conversation within itself. And I ain't going to slag him off too much. Well, I think we, we, we've, I'm always uh, helping Al out with, with his show, and I know he's always uh, looking for, for issues. And I, uh, I recently commentated his little, um, his little block for uh, that VW um, festival, the festival stuff. And he, even, and, and I think this is probably what sort of annoys him sometimes, is I don't think people necessarily watch the show. So when people don't watch the show and they criticize, I mean, I kind of agree, you can't really be in a place to, to do so. You're, of course, got to be able to watch to then see what it is. Uh, and, and 
again, you've, you've got to let people do the things that they want to do. Um, we've all got our opinions on certain things that work. For example, me, I, I'm not a big fan on, on WWE guys being used because I don't watch it. I'm really careful. But also it's more with the video game. Even if you use guys who are in the wrestling business, who you have created, whether it be independents or, or worldwide, I feel like it's a bit of a cop out with, with WWE anyway. For example, I was uh, even when I was commenting that recent show, you know, I I am happy to commentate on anybody that's got a character who is brand new, brand new core. I will try my best to make them sound the best thing since Buddy Gold because that's what it's all about, and I like seeing new. If I'm sitting there commentating a, a match between Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns, couldn't care less. Don't care for them. Not interested. As, as much as I'll try and say good things about them, I'll, I'll try, but it's very brief. But as well, that that doesn't really do anything for anybody in terms of having those guys with the titles. And I think after this little season, we'll have a little break and reevaluate. And he, I think he's sort of a guy that struggles to ask for help. And I'm always there to help him out for things. And it could do with a rebound. It could be done. I could just sit about when you ask me what you see in him. I think he can uh, be pointed in the right direction to, to do things, but it's just it's a slow process. Everybody's got their own um, sort of ways to be taught or ways to change things. And sometimes, you know, there are guys you can go directly to and say, this is shit, change this, and they'll go, okay, fine. But there are others that kind of may take a little bit of, a, of it to heart. And, and that's understandable. That's that's just different ways of, of teaching. But he, I think he'll go and, and sort of go back and, and change all these things. And I've given, I gave him like a massive word pad, sort of essay of, of things to to say that isn't like a lecturing because I feel like I see that a few times where it's like you need to do this and you need to do this, but it's more like like with the core the fantasy stuff we're saying. You know, there'd be people who say, well, actually, you shouldn't have the fantasy core stuff on there. When actually, in my mind, I think, well, who cares? Just let them do what they want. That's what this is all about. And even so, you could have a show that has every single WWE guy on it, even though I don't like them. But it's not about necessarily the characters; it's what you do with them. You can do uh, some great storylines with them. It's just for me personally. I think with WWE guys, it's very one-dimensional, and there's only a certain you know, amount you can go with. But hell, you can honestly do anything with any character. It's just you know what you do with it. But it's just uh, a work in progress, just like uh, of anything uh, anyone else like that. But I, I do see, um, as I mentioned to her, he needs a little bit of panache in the show. He needs a little bit of a, a big bang that kind of goes, whoa, look at this, rather than just kind of, you know, another show, another show. Just needs the tools as well to do it too. Let me put it this way. From the perspective that I'm looking at it as far as his show goes, like, even with Adam, and with all the flack that he could get for, you know, doing the show that he does, somehow he gets views, somehow he's getting subscribers, yeah. Somehow this is working for him. He's found a way to make this format of how he does his show work. And as far as shows that have done the hybrid thing, it's worked for Eddie for 10 years. Yeah. People can make this stuff work. As far as shows with WE guys that can make it work, it's someone like Zahaya. Mm -hmm. Someone in the VWU who knows what he's doing with his show and he can nail it right on the head. In all honesty, I think he's one of the better produced shows from my standpoint, even at times better than Eddie. Who? Z Zahai. Oh, Zahai. Right, right, right. Sorry, yeah. Like, Zahai is, to me, underrated in their server for right. reasons of 
He doesn't really get enough credit for some of the stuff he's done. Now, his opinions and reviews on certain shows that I can probably disagree with, <laughs> but that's a whole another conversation. Yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. Again, with, with characters, I'm, I'm going just from my opinion with, with WWE guys, but regardless of, of what it is, what the character is, it's about what you do with it. You can honestly create a story with freaking Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns, even though I couldn't care less, but just using those examples from previously, put them to a good storyline, bang. And it's seeing the good in something someone does and then sort of molding it around to make it all and then take it. I mean, he's only been, Raul's only been doing it for like maybe a year or so. So he's totally sort of newish at it, but everybody's got to start from somewhere and then get better. Hell, I won't. Oh, it's terrible when I started off. My God, some of the things I did, they were terrible. I had some terrible characters. Look, not everyone is going to start off very strong or at a great end. Sean had the Call of Stars Men's Championship won via arm drag. Ah, I remember those days. It's a lot It's a lot you could say for Sean of how much he's grown since those days. Now, instead of an arm drag, it's a beautiful, edited, well-done, running fucking Descent to Madness. It's like the evolution of someone is great to see when they're willing to engage in that evolution. So with that question that you asked me in mind, what was your what were you going to say? What was your opinion? On what is on what exactly? Well, you said what do you see in Al Cabrera and you said you were just you were just curious. So I I posed the question to to you. If if it's if you don't see anything in sort of what your reason is for that. It's not that I don't see anything in Al. He honestly has promise. It's just more so I want him to see what he could do. If he went one way with himself instead of going the way he's going now. Right, sure, sure. Like, I want, I want him to see what he can do with his character first before he fully pursues the show. Right, right, sure. And it's a thing that I kind of went over my, with myself. Could I, could I have done a show? Possibly. But I don't really want to because I see myself more as a talent than I do a showmaker. Yeah. Now, granted, the stuff I'm doing now is I don't have to make a show, but I can get involved in the car product a bit where I'll do the videos that I've been doing for at least the past, what, two or three weeks now? Where I've been experimenting with doing some more content for my channel. Yep. And I think I'm getting slowly off to a, at least a good start. Yeah. Yeah, as far as Al goes, he has he has potential. I just want him to see the potential he has before he invests that potential into a show. Yeah, you're correct. At the same time, someone's got to be able to, to sort of knock those uh, those words into him because I think that's honestly, the th and people will don't like my opinion for this, but that's kind of something that I do see a lot. I don't really see that much of of instilling confidence in in guys when I when someone asked for help it's very much a, a long paragraph of you don't do this and when you don't do this it's you know giving you this long reason why and then it ends up going into twitch and subscribers and all this other stuff i'm like where are you going with this this has absolutely nothing to do with you know it doesn't help at all but it's 
finding a good thing. And that's that's what I do with him where I say, okay, maybe maybe you don't have effects, maybe you don't have the, the bling as it were, but as you'll see in this uh, this prestige tournament especially, it's got some good matches. Very, very good at creating matches, very, very good at it and you know, it really brings it to life when I when I commentate over it. and I quite enjoy uh, some of the matches and you know, it's like anything, good matches, bad matches, and it's like, okay, well let's start there, let's bring uh, bring some of that, you know. And uh, when we when we sort of look at the good things, you've got to take those good things and sort of build it up a little bit, sort of overdo the, 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 the bad times. So, you know, everybody has to take their positive, their strength, and work their way up with those kind of things in there. Who is somebody that you see as a because I, I, I asked this question in, in private a few, a few weeks ago about the whole world champion thing that you've sort of never been a, a, a big time world champion what place do you think that you could actually get into that rivalry whatever feud whatever it is and actually get your hands on it the most the most realistic option that I could see is CCL. Yeah. And honestly, I already know what's going to happen on that end. So I know exactly what feud is going to push me to that lane. But my question, though, is how long you've been doing this whole scene now? I first showed up on a car show in March of 18. I've been involved with cars since late 17. Right, right, right. Because the, the thing that I think of my mind, and I've had this conversation the other day with sometimes, you know, maybe it's just the way that my mind operates, but I don't necessarily see guys as what they are or what they can become. Uh, I do find it surprising that you have been put in a position in in that caliber. And I know you'll you'll sort of say, well, because this guy deserved it more, and I, you know, I agree with that, and you know that's an honourable thing to say. But just my opinion, I don't actually understand why. You know, I see these little guys that I pick out and go, why haven't you been put in a position like that? Uh, stupid question, because you'll be like, well, I don't know. But there's guys I see oh. who have the potential to be in that position. I just don't understand why someone like you is. Because it's, you're, you're, they've kind of people book you or, or people put you in a position where you're still climbing that ladder. And I'm like, that should not even be anywhere near. That's what you do in your first year. And again, just my opinion, I think you should be put in a more prominent role. It could depend on what show you're viewing that on. Like, I look at it from the point of I start from everywhere from scratch. Yeah. That's kind of how it should be. Now, because I rise here prominently doesn't mean I should get that same treatment in another place. Because that's not really fair to other people who might have been struggling for that place and then I overtake them. Yeah. Just because... I'm the, I guess, quote-unquote, hot thing. I'd much rather kind of earn my way from everyone's perspective to that position. If everyone sees me as a world champion, I can live with that. If only half the people see me as a world champion, then I, gotta do, I just got to grind more to convince people that I can get to that level. Which is why I'm in so many shows to begin with. Because I'd much rather communicate with every single person that I'm on the show with. So that way they know that, one, I'm reliable. I can talk to you practically at any time. 
Mm. I'm always willing to pitch ideas. I'm always willing to work with people. All of it is pointing up to the point where I'm like, do you see me as capable of being in this position now? Hmm. I guess I guess I see your point from, from from that aspect. It's but even when you are when you ask a question like, "Do you see me in this position now?" I think you've done more than what is enough to be seen in in that position. And just my view, just my view anyway. I'm not saying you're not wrong. You're not wrong. You're not the only person who views me as possible world champion material. You're not the only one who said that. I've heard that quite a bit from a few people. So I just don't want it just from a few people because, of course, they're going to think highly of me because I interact with them on a daily basis. Yeah. I want people to universally see me as that way. Yeah. The more people that see me that way, the better off. The less campaigning that I have to do, basically. I want it to be to a point where I don't have to say much, but everyone else is talking about me. Well, they're talking about you that talking about you in a good light that works out better for you. Well, again, it goes back to the way that the way that you use and the way you put, you, you know, portrayed and, you know, you look at, and again, I'm not blowing smoke at my ass, but you look at the way that I brought you in, you know, for me to, to other people that looks like, Oh, that's the best thing in the world. But that wasn't that hard to create. That was actually very, very simple. It's the simple way of, of bringing someone in as a big deal. than just, ah, it's just another guy. I'll put it this way. I mean, jet tornado. Probably way- happy about that, but that, that's a separate thing. The way I debuted in FWZ was definitely cool. You're damn right. It was awesome. It was one of the stronger debuts that I've ever had on a show. To the same hand, though, I can look at where I showed up in AWF where I literally come out of nowhere and just decapitated Irvino. And I look at that and I go, okay, I like that. It might not be how other people want me to be on there, but I like the idea that I literally just showed up out of nowhere, brutalized somebody. That's it. That's all you need to know about me. I mean, I like Avino, and how dare you do that to such a nice young man. Look, it had to happen, okay? When you mess with my boy Damien, I have to do what I have to. Is Damien Ballantyne your boy? Well, and as far as the AWF goes, we're a duo. What? Who's your close? Who's your closest little uh, little group within uh, this old CAW game, as it were? I don't really have a particular group that I'm really that close with. I'm kind of open to everyone. I get along with certain people probably better than others. Yeah. Like, I, I get along with John pretty well. That might have been because John is kind of easy to get along with and he's really friendly. So, that might be a situation of that was kind of bound to happen. Okay. Well, we've uh, kind of gone through the topics that we were. 
going to talk about. So it's kind of now, Mr. Bedlam, for you to uh, take the floor and, and maybe talk about some things that maybe you want to get off your chest. Well, if you're going to allow me to, well, then I want to get the one thing that you and I might be on a different end of. You okay. remember your thoughts on the whole Sonny conversation? Not every single one, but sort of roughly, yeah. You mind picturing out roughly how you felt about it, for my reference sake? Um, I mean, the, the video that we put out with me and Scott was pretty much talking about how it happened at the beginning and that kind of stuff. I wasn't really much involved in it because I kind of handed it over to Scott because I was the one talking to Navino about him wanting to, you know, it was affecting him and it was bothering him and I know the suicide thing came into it in terms of it was it was quite hard wrestling. Um and then from from my real thing was just be better to one another. Um, of course, don't make sure you don't go on about the situation a lot because it gets to a point where it then becomes that you are the kind of weird one. Um, that's all I can really think of. But yeah, I mean, Scott was the one that kind of felt a bit more passionate about it than, than I do. But that's all I can remember anyway. Well, that's that's fair because it gives me an outline of what I wanted to say. Right. Now, Scott and I have had conversations about the Sunny thing for basically underneath a closed door for at least the past month or so. Okay. And he is a bit more direct with how he wants to interact with it, but I'm kind of on the same boat. For all the stuff Sonny has done and all the stuff he's said about people, not just even Novino, but all the things he's done, and this is where I'd imagine this is not that hard of a take, but I could forgive someone like Ray a hell of a lot quicker than I can forgive Sonny. Yeah. It's not even close. What Ray said and how he chose to handle himself is, is his own can of worms. I have my disagreements with some of it. I have my agreements with a bit of it. But I'll forgive Ray before I forgive Sonny. Because the things Sonny has done, the things he said... The lengths he would go to to harass some people is just no. No. Like, I get that your whole thing is you don't like how people tend to gang up on people and stuff like that. Well, let me put it this way. When you when you've been ganged up on by numerous people to the degree that it got explicit and brutal and to the point where you wanted to just cry and let all that emotion out, you'd be pretty angry yourself. Like, let me put it in this way. I had a talk with the VW a couple of months ago about how they've handled situations surrounding Cash, Sonny, and all of that. And I kind of made it clear that, one, the way they handled Sonny was very incompetent, very ill, very What's the word I'm looking for here? It's negligent, but it's the opposite end of it. Actually, no, it, that is the word. It was yeah, very, negligence is, yeah, yeah. It was very negligent of them to not focus on the issues because they had someone like John who knows Sonny's history very well. And he went to them about some of the stuff he said because he would post like racist, xenophobic shit in the comment section of John's videos, he'd have these bot accounts spam dislikes on John's channel, despite the fact that John's done 
nothing to him. And it's like, John didn't deserve to suffer. But I wasn't in a position to help John because at the time frame that I was there, I wasn't prominently high on the BWU's, you know, buddy buddy calculator. Right. Which is a whole other issue within itself, but you know, it's not the point here I'm going for. When you ignore an issue like Sonny and you let it fester, it gets out of hand and someone gets hurt that didn't need to get hurt. And it burns a hole in me that I couldn't help John to the level that I needed to. Which is why when I finally did get some type of, I guess, clout in there, I let them have it. Because, like, there was a lot of things that they did were very stupid, very clueless about, you know, how they handled the Sonny and even the cash thing. Because it's one thing to ignore someone's history. It's totally another thing to ignore the suffering that some people went through just because, oh, it didn't happen to you or it's my friend. He wouldn't do this to me. It's bullshit. Sonny went after all of them at one point because some of them did things that he didn't like and he took it out on them. Cash ended up going after them to a similar degree because at some point Cash had gotten himself a little too closely associated with Danny Jackpot to the point where it was just like, you need to go. Yeah. He, he really should not have been hanging around Danny, especially around the time where he dropped the end bomb just casually. And here's my thing, as far as the end bomb goes, that I might have referred to in the first interview. I have no real issue with the end. Me, myself, I don't care. A white person could call me the hard R and I wouldn't give a shit. But if they called me the hard R and put their hands on me, that's a different story. <laughs> but I, I don't care. It's a fucking word to me. You ain't harming me by calling me the N-word. I don't particularly care. But I understand why people have an issue with that word. Because historically, that word ain't always been looked at a good light. It never has been looked in a good light. And when you see something like that happening, you have to at least be willing to understand and comprehend why people feel about these things in a different way. I mean, the 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 Danny Jackpot thing isn't necessarily um, f- from my end anyway, because I'm I, I haven't actually spoken much on it because I was I wasn't even involved. But the 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 situation about him using it to to me was actually tame because I remember situations that were worse back then that he was associated with. He was associated with a young man by the name of Joshua Bishop. And Joshua Bishop used to have a league where he would go and N-lynch people. And he would have a lynching pose, which would be, of course, the Randy Orton um, pose. And he would basically go around saying that he was going to n lynch people which there's 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 joking about it and being like that's in poor taste and then there is deliberate racism because that is well you're deliberately going out and, and making a fun so i'm not defending him at all he's an asshole but he's associated with people who are worse but also 
you kind of it's basically guilty by association as well and i'm just going back from my own back when i was a kid and there's probably more stuff that i barely remember that was that just came up in my mind a few moments ago actually so when it comes to stuff like that um it's 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 clear um defined by the way this isn't like something from my own mind it's it's on that core wikia stuff under oshu jackson believe was his name so there's um that that group isn't bad because they use it stupidly or the excuses that they'll say that man i was only messing around or i didn't mean to or you take it too seriously that's actually where the spotlight shouldn't be the spotlight should actually be on the other stuff they've done which is actually deliberately worse where who was that guy that used to do the f the fat n wrestling and have this weird obsession that's, of saying n n n n n all the bloody world time that's that's where i kind of draw the line with them because I, I get that some people do that stuff, and I do believe in the idea that, you know, you back away from all of that, you give yourself time to really think about what the fuck you were doing. Hmm. You realize that what you're doing is messed up. I believe Bishop grew from that. I can at least see that. Because I've interacted with Bishop before. He doesn't seem like that dude that you were talking about. Not right. anymore. So I don't mind giving people the opportunity to grow. But to me, Danny has never grown up. Right, he's right. still the same bullshit motherfucker that he's always been, even back when in his heyday. So I don't care for Danny. Quite frankly, the shit that he's talked about in me in recent times, too, I definitely don't care for him. He can fuck off. Really, yeah. all honest, dude. And low key, from what I've been seeing, considering who else has also been. Sticking his nose in Danny's business lately, or at least Danny's business with me, Smokey could kind of piss off too. Oh God! Look, I know, I know that's, I know that's not necessarily a thing I should bring up, but I've been getting so tweeted at by Smokey for the past few months, oh. and I need to publicly get this out for my own benefit. You're gonna subtweet me, or you're gonna tweet about me. I have a Twitter. You at me directly, and you have a conversation with me. Because I didn't have to do what I did in CCL. I was warned by people for months, don't work with Smokey. Do not work with Smokey. He has this bad reputation for doing certain things. And I was a fool. I did the thing that I did with him. Now, granted, you unironically coming in when you did to work in my favor because when that came out, that was it. That was the hole that basically dug it in for Smokey. Yeah. And the stuff he did with you, that kind of sealed it in. Because yeah. you don't let the paranoia of what people have done to you in the past ruin what you could get. Smokey for years has been trying to rebuild his character. But yet, I've said this before and I'll say it again. The biggest enemy that he has is him himself. Yep. Because he still associates with Danny, a guy who has held him down multiple times. And Malik has told me these stories. So when I hear these stories over my head again and I see Smokey sticking up for Danny, I'm like, I'm trying to help you. But you're so self-destructive that you just can't help yourself by being an idiot. And you only prove people who had negative opinions about you to begin with right. 
Absolutely, absolutely. I can uh, I can think of, of of times on one hand that that Danny has deliberately tried to, and this we're going back to like WEDF days. I remember when it was it was putting him in storylines that made him basically look like an idiot and, and hold him down. And it's kind of it's that old analogy of all these guys that sort of see themselves as like the blacklist of of the groups and things, and they'll come together to sort of be that one group where they'll all be the same because they're ousted from all these groups and we're anti these and anti that and. It, they'll eventually phase out and, and break because you know you, these guys are the, the piranhas of. I've said this analogy many times that these are the piranhas of these groups, and when you take all the piranhas put together, it's going to eat each other, and they will self-destruct because they're all the same, and it, it will be be together. And that's exactly the history that old Daniel has had because it's it's always been about me, 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 and then you've got others that are about me, 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 and that doesn't come well because they don't end up being like i see all the time where oh we're doing this project where we're going to bring the community together and we're going to do this and i'm going to give back and that's basically a cover-up to say actually this is something that can put me over once again because even in that group who you're going to help younger guys out it's still about you and if you're still not featured in a prominent role then you're going to go again to, to somewhere else and start it all over again so it's the same stuff, and I always love it when people like that talk about we're going to put together the community. Even you're the one who ruined it in the first place. While they continue to say that every every single time, it's it's a vicious circle. Like, I I don't really get it. Like, I have I have kind of genuinely no right to really talk because, again, what would I know about the the whole socializing and all the inner workings of call? But then again someone who has seen a lot of these patterns play out, especially with me being the position that I've been in before, it gets kind of tiresome. And I'm glad I got all that stuff out with the VW when I did, because now I don't have to carry all that shit on my shoulders. I can just be blunt about it as I want to. And at some points, I'm very, very blunt. Blunt to a dangerous fault, but at the same time, if it warrants the need for me to be that way, I have to. And I understand that role. It's not a role people like. It's not a role that people will agree with because Lord knows disagreements are common, especially in this circle of call. But, you know, it's a thing I have to deal with. One, um, one thing that's just popped into my mind, actually, when you talk about Danny Jackpot, you know that guy called Zach Starr? Yes. Do because I've seen him. Well, I've come across him when I've done research on guys who have been like in the conspiracy and all these other ones. You, you obviously all knew that he was like storyline related to Danny Jackpot, right? Yes. Well, so why did you decide to use him? Well, that's more of a question for someone like an MTB. But I had my concerns that he was a Danny creation, which is kind of why. At yeah, first, that's, what, that's what I thought was it was. Black, at first, he was blacklisted. Like, his reign as BW World Champion, cut off. But yeah. then it was a Frank creation, so it was like, okay, so maybe we can bring him back in. But then when we brought him back in, Frank got himself involved in the controversy where he's just casually dropping the N-bomb. Not just any N-bomb, oh, mind God. you, the hard R. So I'm like, oh, God. And the worst part about the Frank one is that at least if you drop it, you say it, 
it's out in the open. It's kind of public. But if you censor it, that's going to piss people off a hell of a lot more. Because it's like you're hiding and you're dancing away from the fact you just basically use the racial slur. Like, come the fuck on, dude. So I was just like, no. X-Men Zack Star, just not even bother. I um, have just thought of a few things in terms of I see when we talk about Danny and, and all these sort of popular guys that sort of have controversy. One thing I've never really um, touched upon, which Malik touched upon this very, very briefly, but I never sort of got into it. How did Frank become involved in VWU? That seems like a really sort of random, doesn't really fit in kind of thing off the top of my head. I don't know the story of how he got in. I came in at the beginning of their server, yes, but I don't know the story of how he was given the position that he was given. I just know the story of why he's gone. Because in the past, Frank has publicly basically thrashed D-Wall, Eddie, and Malik numerous times for no reason. Even though Eddie and D-Wall have helped Frank with his show many a times. Yeah. Eddie's done commentary for his show. Uh, D-Wall has tried to help Frank with his women's division and stuff like that. And it's like, dude, we're trying to help you. But if you're going to throw us under the bus, then there's no time for that. And Frank left the VW server a good bit before I even remotely started getting any type of, I guess, power there. So... It's just like Frank is a compound issue because of what he does to himself. Well, I just thought it was kind of slightly strange because it's he. I, I, I spoke to him one time um, last month because I saw him putting out these things about you know these kind of self-loathing statuses and you know when I see stuff like that, I always make sure I check in just to of course be sure. And we had a good chat about old times and stuff like that, and you know talking about you know when you are rock bottom picking yourself back up but it it's it's this weird obsession with self-loathing that i that i don't really understand where sometimes when you do these things it's a cry for help when you talk about you know people have screwed me over and you know where's your real friends blah 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 and then you usually take some time and then you know that kind of calms down a little bit because you think oh someone took an interest in me someone wants to help me out you know that, that's cool and you give them advice and then they say, oh, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. And then they continue to put out these self-loathing statuses all the time about you know, these friends yeah, turned on yeah. me and these guys. And, and they get they get to a point where you're going to help yourself. But it's almost become a, a constant obsession to keep on talking about being the victim all the time. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because there's something else that I had a conversation about with Sean and them the other night that concerned me on a level, and that also concerned them. Do you happen to know of Jason Brown? I've heard of him, yeah. Downtown Jason Brown, right? Yeah, the guy who runs UWL, the guy who Akeem took underneath his wing, essentially. Right, 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 yeah. I I don't know him, but I know of him, yeah. I won't go into too many details about his personal life and stuff like that, because, you know, it's not my business to... But Jason unintentionally has that pattern similar to Frank. Like, I've noticed on his Twitter, he'll say some very dark, deep and dark stuff. And it's like, 
we see this and we want to help them, but at the same time, it gives off the impression that people aren't helping you. Yeah. And I know that's not the case because D-Wall damn near broken his neck time and time in and out to help Jason talk with him and try to get him to, you know, feel better about stuff. I know Eddie's tried. I know Charles has tried. So many people have tried to help Jason. It's just like, I can see Jason almost going a Frank route. And I'm not the only one who feels that way, where the cry for help can end up turning into a cry for attention. And I don't want to make that sound like Jason's crying for attention. That's not the case at all. But I'm saying it can end up that way. And I don't want that to end up for Jason. Because I know why he's having his issues. I know why. It's just I don't want to go into detail about it because, again, it's not my business to. But it can lead to a very, very dangerous cycle that Frank has put himself through. And I don't want Jason to go through that same path either. Yeah, there's, I mean, his is more um, like real life people that have, I'm guessing have screwed him over sort of time and time again. And, you know, I've you know, sort of come oh, into yeah. Jason Jason's is definitely people close to him screwing him over. Well, I guess that's that's the kind of the thing that I'm talking about, and I've again I, I took the time to check in just to, of course you, you you always want to be sure with these things, but it's that kind of if you can't tell someone, and I've seen this many times with people before, you you kind of if you know if anything seriously happens to you, someone, and then afterwards you're going, oh, what could I have done? What should I have done? And maybe we should have done more. We need to be better. But then it's times like these where actually you can try and help someone, as the old expression goes, you know, lead a horse to water, you can't make it drink. And a lot of times, if someone can't help themselves, what are you supposed to do? There's nothing that you can do. And it's almost, it doesn't, that the whole idea of you wanting to spiral out of control because you of other people that you want to blame, you keep putting that pressure on yourself. It won't be them that puts you in that position. It'll be you that puts yourself in that position. It's multiple factors into this weaving story it's like personal responsibility determination to help yourself and the situation of what can you do when you've done everything you can but it's not enough Mm. well it's up to the person that you're trying to help at some point you can't really do everything for them which again is a is a point that i know sean RPJ and Jay were talking to me about the other night. Like, it's concerning. No one wants to see him go down this path. Because, yeah. like, it. let me be the more blunt about what I'm about to say here. No one in Callisters really, really hates the people in the VW. I don't really hate them. Yeah. It's just that they have disagreements over certain things and how they choose to carry themselves or how they choose to do their shows and stuff like that it's disagreements but where with sean and them you can tell they have a circle of who they can go to when shit goes awry like if shit goes awry for me i can name at least five people who i can go to the quickest walter rpj sean jay and chronic those are the people i can go to the absolute quickest. With the VW, it's like three people. Chloe, Eddie, and Zaya. Yeah. Zaya won't Zaya will be surprised that I put him up in there, but in all honesty, when I say he's underrated, 
I kind of mean that from a perspective of he should get a lot more power than he kind of does have. Okay. Because he's some he's someone who I feel like could round out the whole equilibrium of emotionally people who make their decision based on emotion. Zai doesn't really chime in too much. And outside of my disagreements with him on like certain call aspects, and that's even then, that's a say-say thing. Logically, he's not wrong on certain things that he speaks his mind about. Sure. But, you know, basically what the VW has kind of needed is someone that's not just like Eddie, that's a central pillar. And when you have someone like Eddie who's the central pillar or D-Wall, yeah, that's good and all, but you need someone else there. Because D-Wall and Eddie have their moments where they're down. And when they're down, who can you really depend on? Yeah. And then I come in and then essentially within, what, possibly around roughly two years, I basically snuck up that ladder faster than anyone would have expected. Because now it's like, now I'm a pillar, in a sense. I've become an unintentional pillar of guidance, I guess. Which, I mean, I'm fine with, but at the same time, you told me that was going to happen a few months ago. Actually, not even a few months ago. Say roughly two years ago. I wouldn't have believed you. Well, things have an interesting way of working themselves out, and as I mentioned, genuine people get genuine rewards. Now, I sound like a teacher then. Jesus Christ. Genuine people get genuine rewards. Well, then I, apparently I'm a genuine motherfucker. I, I don't know. I'm kind of surprised that people even remotely look at me in any regard in, in terms of high. Well, don't be too harsh on yourself. People have uh, they've got good things to say about you. And, you know, if someone tries to, very hard to try and say a bad thing about somebody, then I think you've got something going. But I'm cut. Actually, there was also someone else that I forgot to mention. But that's because I had this relationship with him for like longer than anybody else in call, and that's how I came. Yes. Like, I've been a loyal fan of his product for years. He's been a friend of mine for God knows how long at this point. So, of course, me being me, I have my loyalty to him. Yeah. Put it, put it this way. There's a reason why for so many years, since he's run that, introduced that Discord of his, I'm the only person who he's never removed from that lead mod position. It yeah. says a lot about the trust that I have with him if I have not been moved from that spot. Well, it's all about the relationships that we have with one another and also the way that we deal with one another in uh, certain certain controversies. And I've been talking here with Mr. Bedlam. I'm getting ready to head on down the road. But before we do, Mr. Bedlam, where can we find you? On the old Twitter machine. Uh, you can follow me on at Bedlam the Savage. I have a YouTube channel. I do call videos on there on occasions. Working on a few projects now as I speak. Hopefully I can get those out and on the way. You can follow my sister on Twitter at Sister Savagery. 
anything that we do, anything that we talk about, any stories we like to tell can be traced through us. Since you, uh, before we actually uh, leave this podcast and uh, head on down the road, as I mentioned, since we've been introduced to you and then also Beryl as well, will we be seeing any other family members such as, you know, uh, Tim Bedlam, Nigel Bedlam, uh, Beehive Bedlam, any of these guys? There is a third family member. Well, there is. He's been in the background the entire time. Uh, Roman Bedlam. Roman Bedlam. He's the... He's the commentary gimmick that I have. Ah, I didn't know that. He's a commentary and review gimmick that I've had. That I kind of unintentionally somehow got a bit of attention behind. To the point where now he's his own thing. And it's like, eh, that's pretty cool. Roman Bedlam. I will look out for Roman Bedlam. Now, unfortunately, he doesn't have his own Twitter. Oh. I will work on that in due time. Believe me, I will. Just right now, it's in the progress of finishing out a story for Roman regarding the whole, you know, stuff involving Beryl and all the stuff she's went through. Yeah. Well, they are the many alter egos of Mr. Bedlam, and who knows, there might be any more down the road. We are getting... <laughs> You never like know. no. I I've taught myself that three is my limit. I'll manage three. I ain't trying to pull a Charles Schultz with his five characters or a Boy. D Wall with his like twenty people married to Carmen. I'm like, nah, we're good. <laughs> we're good. I, I like D Wall and all, but oof. I'm kind of I'm one of the people who has been kind of like, slow down, don't put all these people for Carmen, because then it's like you can criticize Charles, but then you kind of look like a bloody hypocrite yourself. So, you know, ease on down. Slow down. Let's not get too weird here. We're already dangling on weird enough. It's bad enough I get means about me saying something stupid under the barrel account, which, to be fair, I kind of caught that on my own. So, who is, is. Who's, who's barrel dating then? Nobody. I heard that was Jet Tornado. And she ain't dating. She ain't dating that loser. <laughs> she finds him hilarious. Oh man, love it, love it. Anyway, anything else you want to say to the people, to the audience before we uh, click on down and out of the FWZ highway, as it were? There, there's one. Oh, there is. S- simply put, you never know what type of people you're dealing with in tall, because, as I've noted, and I've been told by. Mr. RPJ, you never really know what's going on with somebody until you figure it out and you understand firsthand that these things are commonplace. Like, RPJ has gone on record and said that he didn't even know stuff like autism was as prevalent as it was because he's never encountered anything like that. But then he bumps into someone like me and it's like, whoa, this is a new, this is completely new deal. So it's like, never be afraid to take an eye on the situation and just look at it. See what's going on. See what's inside of a person's mind before you make judgments on how to handle them. Because when you make judgments in your mind on how to handle somebody without knowing everything that goes on, 
how can you make a proper judgment? And don't Absolutely. get me wrong, I'm guilty of this too. But I'm just saying, be open. No, you're Love absolutely right. Open. Absolutely right. That's what we said at the, at the beginning of the, the show. That's what I said at the end of the show. And we get wrapped on it because we're emotionally invested in whatever the argument is and trying to pick a side and you know, pick out who's right or wrong in the, in, the, uh, in the argument. But again, that's what I said. You know, you look at both sides of the story, look at it. Don't always look at it from, you know, what the general consensus is or, or following what the crowd is doing. And I think that can even be put in all in all situations really even that we're on the right side of the, the you know proverbial wrong side as it were just be open but also be aware open That's... open awareness is far more better than just being unaware and just being oh let me walk into this thing without researching it or being aware of what's going on or the history behind it yep yep, yep absolutely With that being said, that's a great way to end this podcast here. What a great uh, great time we've had talking about all things. I don't know how the hell I'm going to put a description in this video because this just went everywhere. But I'll find a way because I always find a way. But yeah, you can say autism, religion, politics, the N-word. There's a whole gaggle of things you can put for that description. I'll, uh, I'll put something in there. And uh, the people will continue to listen to the show. And if you like listening to the show, you can go back through the streaming services and check out all old things FWZ, old podcasts. We've still got the Q&As up there as well, even if you're just making your way through some or picking and choosing. We appreciate you sticking on here with me, talking all the stars of old CAW. I'm about to head on down the road. If you're looking for any interesting old videos, whether it be FWZ or any uh, CAW shows, Always support your CAW shows, especially this time where we're all quarantined. And also check out some of the new releases from all the guys and gals on YouTube, on Twitch, wherever the hell they put videos now. But for me, from Mr. Bedlam and uh, from me, the Sam Cole, we are heading on down the road. This has been my conversation with Jamal Bedlam. Check out all things FWC on the FWC Collection Channel. Alrighty, Richard, don't get any white balls, are you? Ah!